Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, it is the Christmas season, and instead of a mere 12 days of Christmas here at the Gospel for Life, we're going to give you the 15 days of Christmas. And this is a great day because this is a day where Josh unveils the song, the 15 days of Christmas. <laughs> Cue it up. So right. excited. Yeah, so excited. Gotten, we can't wait. Well, if we have time, we'll say that for the end of the program. Oh, okay. <laughs> so 15 days of 15 reasons why Jesus had to be born. But before we get to reason number 12, which is where we're at today, we promised to give you a couple uh, book resources for this year's Advent. Real quick, what does Advent mean? It's the appearance of Christ. Yep, the coming of Christ. Right. Yeah, and the, there's, the word Advent literally means coming. Yeah. And we traditionally in church history, it's a time to remember the first advent of Christ, but also his second advent. We live, we live between two advents. We live between the first coming and the second coming. And uh, Advent is traditionally a, a season to remember both. Yeah. Okay, book resources for Advent season. You have I'm, to limit it to under five. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go Silver ahead. Under. Take it away, Russ. <laughs> Last year we did Sinclair Ferguson's as a family. Love come, came down at Christmas. Um, my wife and I and my kids really thoroughly enjoyed that. Probably not for younger kids, but um, it was it was good. This year we're using Come Let Us Adore Him by Paul David Tripp. It's a little bit more artsy, um, artistic, um, poetic. Um, so that is not necessarily my love language of reading, um, but it, I think it does appeal to others in our family a little bit more. Um, it's very, very good. Um, it's just not my normal style of, you know, reading material. My kids loved through the years. We used to use one by um, Johnny Erickson Tata and um, Wolgamuth. I can't remember her name. It was a, the Christmas Carols. And so they, there would always be a story and then a, a Christmas song at the end. Um, they had a whole series of books, one for Easter, one for Christmas, just some on, on hymns. And that was always thoroughly enjoyed by my kids. Well, I, our family is doing a book by Nancy Guthrie called Let Every Heart Prepare Him Room. And it's very much in the style of a family devotional. So it gives you a song to sing if you, if you want. Um, a scripture to read, uh, an explanation of the scripture, a prayer, etc. So very helpful and really short readings, actually. Uh, and I'm starting to wonder if if Josh is just not choosing to sing those songs in the devotional <laughs> reading. <laughs> well, we tried. We tried to play the CD that that we had, but it, it wouldn't work. So um, yeah. <laughs> anything else? You guys got anything? All right, you guys are humbugs. Okay, um, let's go to today's topic, which is this is the 12th reason for why Jesus had to be born. Jesus had to be born to take on our full human nature. Now, looking down through church history, there have been many heresies involving the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at two heresies in particular. Um, the first heresy is called docetism. 
Now, Docetism said that Jesus had only the appearance of a human. In other words, the Docetists would affirm that Jesus was fully divine, so they weren't guilty of, you know, Arianism, but that he wasn't human. So brothers, how would you respond to that view and what scriptures would you point to to show that Jesus was in fact truly human? I just wonder if maybe if the elder humbugs would want to jump in on this one. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of scripture and there's there's, but, there's but no, yes, but not quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. go ahead, Jonathan. Uh, there, there's just a lot of scripture, and uh, I mean, you could look at Hebrews two, or you could look at Philippians two. Um, even First Timothy two five calls him the man, Christ Jesus. You know, he's born of a woman, Galatians four four. Jesus is called the son of Mary in Luke two seven. He's we're told in Romans one th- three that he descended from David according to the flesh. We know that he experienced physical reactions such as hunger and thirst and fatigue, and he wept. You know, the, the problem with the docetists, dose, did I say it wrong? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> um, you know, basically, they're denying the core truth of the gospel, namely uh, it will end up denying the death and resurrection of of Christ. Uh, if Jesus doesn't have a real body, then he didn't really die. And and doceticism teaches that his suffering on the cross is just a mere illusion. And, and if Jesus had no physical body, he couldn't have risen bodily from the dead. And without an actual death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have no salvation. We're still in our sins, and our faith is futile, as 1 Corinthians 15.17 says. So, yeah, you know, all all in all, it's going to deny uh, the the core truths of the gospel. Um, you know, but the Bible couldn't be clear that Jesus um, proves his bodily resurrection. He proves the fact that he's a that he's human. Um, he even, you know after his resurrection, he says, "Look at my hands and my feet. His eye touched me." You know, a a ghost doesn't have flesh and blood, as you see. I have. He says in Luke twenty four thirty nine. So. You know, we, we're talking about the we're talking about the fact that he's he's human, and that we mentioned that in the virgin birth. But it's better better to speak of it as a virginal conception because there's nothing supernatural about Christ's birth. He's born in an ordinary way, just like any other ordinary human child is that comes into the world. He is man. Yeah, I, I was just looking at Luke one uh, to, just to echo that, Jonathan where the angel uh, explains to Mary the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you because she uh, she's innocent, but she's not naive. Yeah. When, when the angel the angel tells her that she's going to conceive and bear a son, and she's, uh, as I said, she's innocent, but not naive. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel explains to her the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And you will conceive in your womb. That's the normal way we all yeah. come into the world. It's, it's a, a virginal conception, not a not a virginal birth. birth. Exactly. You will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son. And that means, in the ordinary way, with labor pains, and mm-hmm. uh, and and Jesus is is born into our world in the very same way that we are born into this into this world. And he comes into the world to suffer in our place. And, and 
this is something that's often lost, I think, in the gospel is that we think of the suffering of Jesus on the cross, but uh, Luther, in, in, in his typically pithy way, Luther once said, cradle and cross are of the same wood. Mm-hmm. That he comes into the world to bear, to bear our humanity and, and the pain of what it means to be human right from the beginning. Uh, he's, he's outcast right from the beginning, has to be born in a stable, uh, surrounded by animals, or, or away from the comforts of, you know, of uh, any kind of a palace or protection. Um, he goes through life uh, without any place to lay his head, as he himself put it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, praise God, he is truly human, truly divine, truly human. And uh, the Apostle John was actually dealing with this in... in uh his first letter in First John. Uh, in fact, he makes it a test of orthodoxy. He mm-hmm. makes it a test. He says, in First John 4, 2 and 3, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Right. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Mm-hmm. The test is, do you believe that Jesus came in the flesh? Right. Mm-hmm. You know? yes. so, then, so then there's another heresy then that could affirm that Jesus came in the flesh, but they denied another part of his humanity. And this is, and I hope I get this one right, it's called Apollinarianism. Yeah, yeah there's, there's all a these di- fancy there's a, names, There's right? a ditch on both, ro- right. uh, on both sides of the road, and Apollinar- Apollinarian. Uh, was a was trying to protect the deity of Christ, but he basically created uh, something that was half God and half man. He, so Apollinarianism holds that uh, Jesus has a true body, human body, but that his human mind and human spirit were actually replaced by the divine logos. So he didn't have a human spirit. He didn't have a human mind. He didn't have human affections. It was basically the son of God enclosed in like human meat. Yeah. So, how would you respond to that? I mean, well, he, you know, the, I know with some of the same scriptures, but what's the problem? With the, pro- that? the problem is, is there? You know, we recognize that Jesus had two distinct natures. He had a human nature and a divine nature. They're united in one per- person, but they're not confused. And he would confuse them. You know, you know. So for Apollinaria, that he was neither fully divine or fully human. It's kind of like. It's kind of like a mule. It's not a horse and it's not a donkey. And, you know, if you really understand the genetics of it, it has, an, it has you know, chromosomes that don't match up. So it's, it's a sterile animal. And really, uh, you know, by doing this to Christ, he's sterile. He cannot save us. He's neither God nor man. He can't save us. He doesn't have the power of divinity, nor does he identify with us. In, truly in body and soul. And Nestorian, uh, actually, uh, it, it was at the Council of Constantinople in 381 AD that this came up. And uh, and uh, Apollinarius was condemned as a heretic. And Gregory of Nazianzus, at that council, um, you know, insisted that God was made man. And he hit the nail on the head when he said, what has not been assumed has not been healed. And if, if, if Jesus doesn't take on full humanity, body and soul, then he cannot heal full humanity, body and soul. Yes. He's our, he's our mediator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he cannot be the mediator unless he is truly God and truly human. Uh, 
that's the, the that's the very heart of the gospel. He's not he's not God pretending to be human, and he's not a human, and he's not an exalted human who gets sort of who's so divine and so righteous he gets kind of close to being God. Either one of those, as you as you said earlier, Jonathan, there's there's a ditch on either side that we can fall into, and, and either one leaves us without a Savior. Yeah, we, we, we affirm the Nicene Creed. He is very God, very God. He's very man. You know, he's, he's uh, fully God, fully man. The book of Hebrews really does a masterful thing, and it's beginning by talking about Psalm 110, the great king that's coming, and then quotes Psalm 8. And then at the end of, of Hebrews 2, it's saying, okay, how do we reconcile Psalm 8 and Psalm 110? Right. There's this tension, and he uses, says this, word, this phrase, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Mm-hmm had to be made like them in every respect. And, and this, I would suggest yeah. that the natural reading of the Gospels, you wouldn't yes. read the Gospels and say, huh, I don't think he was really a man. I, I don't think anybody naturally would read those and yes. conclude. Well, that wasn't the problem with those that, you know, that he lived among. In fact, it was when he declared himself to be God. That's when they, that's when they had the problem. They, yeah. they accepted his full humanity. Uh, you would... Just by, like you said, reading those things, yeah. you would accept his full humanity. And, and that's the point. The, the cradle is going to lead to the cross, and when we speak of the birth of the Christ, uh, we, we're connecting that with the cross. The babe in the manger is going to be the crucified Son of God, fully God, fully man. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we can have to just continue to come back to the idea that even these errors have strengthened the church, because with every error on the divinity or the humanity of Jesus— a council, a creed, a confession dealt with it and, and in the end made the church stronger. That's right. Exactly. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will continue the 15 days of Christmas tomorrow. <laughs>